0: back to another episode of the Mac and D podcast. I can't believe it's already Sunday evening. It feels like just a second ago I was at work on Friday and now we're going back tomorrow morning. Uh, Great weekend of college football. Did you get to catch any of the action, Jimmy D?
1: Well, I see that smirk on your face. So, you know, since you and I were texting that I had a wedding this weekend and I I got to catch some of the TCU Kansas State game, but I didn't even get to watch the end of it, which was, of course, the best part. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, no, I, I missed out on Championship Saturday. But a lovely couple got married this week. And so I guess I can say I'm I'm blessed that I got to be there.
0: Yeah, happy for them. Luckily, there wasn't a lot of consequence from this championship weekend. It was really just the four teams that we thought were going to end up making it after the Friday night debacle that USC had. Uh, they really fumbled the bag with that situation, getting swept by Utah and keeping them out of the playoffs, keeping the Pac-12 out of the playoffs. And the ACC is also not making the playoff this year. So what do you think of like how the Final Four ended up shuffling out? And do you think that Bamba should have had a chance to make it?
1: No, th- this feels like the right Final Four you know, I, I'm a, an Ohio State hater, but they're one of the last one-loss teams, if not the last. Like, you, you can't put a two-loss team in over a one-loss team, especially when the one-loss team's only loss is to an undefeated team, right? Like, when you're losing to a college football playoff team, that's an actual quality loss. I know it's, it's always so dumb that there's, like, the quality loss versus bad loss, etc. Like, a loss is a loss, but Ohio State feels right. I think Utah did all of college— Football fans a service by by beating USC because USC was just that classic, you know Cincinnati Bearcats does not belong with these other teams type team this year I think they're they're just not there yet, um, so I, I think they got it right. I, I think Georgia's probably going to bounce Ohio State, but at least Ohio State has a, a nice you know couple couple bye weeks here to really get get themselves right, and then you know Michigan versus TCU I think should be a really good game. I think that's going to be one of those like game game of the year type games. Cause it really feels like Georgia's just going to walk through this, you know, this playoff kind of like how they have this whole season, like anytime they've faced good opponents, bad opponents, they, they just smash them. But like that TCU Michigan game, I think is going to be must watch TV for, for football fans
0: yeah i i thought it was interesting that this weekend didn't have a lot of consequences but i think it was the rare time that the committee got every every single thing with this right um i think tcu even with losing is against a top 10 team in overtime on um, a team that's really good if you like watch kansas state they are a very quality team with deuce vaughn and will anderson their quarterback so i don't think that you can really fault tcu for losing that game They they kind of did what they needed to do in order to make sure that they didn't get blown out and taken out the top four and then yeah ohio state i think was the right option over alabama the the committees had like two main criteria with getting into the college football playoff and that's one don't get blown out and two don't have two losses, and Bama didn't get blown out, but they had two losses, and they didn't have any of those like top-tier wins that would have gotten them into the playoff. If they had beaten Georgia earlier in the season, which wasn't on their schedule, or if they'd beaten maybe like a Tennessee or something like that, or LSU even, that would have given them a better chance. But I think that with all that being said, you had to go with Ohio State, who had just the one loss to a top-two team. Um, I also agree. I think this college football playoff is gonna be great. I'm really looking forward to both of the matchups. Uh, It seems like right now, Ohio State's probably going to be like a 7-point underdog, and TCU is going to be about a 10-point underdog, but I think they're going to be a lot closer than that. Max Duggan is a gamer. Like, I know you didn't get to watch the game too much, but Duggan got hurt early, and he just kept playing through it. They, They said that they were watching him on the sideline, and they were just like constantly patching him up because he had all these like nicks and bruises all over his body. So uh just a, a true true gamer and it's gonna be really exciting to watch him square off with JJ McCarthy in a few weeks.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if, if you noticed it, but the intensity of that that Big 12 championship, I, I feel like it could really be felt. I mean from the opening kickoff, like the, the those team yeah, those two teams were going at it. And and as a fan that's really fun to see. I mean you could just tell it was Two teams that wanted to win their conference championship, you know, more than anything else, like nothing mattered at that moment. And that mm-hmm. was awesome because we knew TCU was getting the playoff regardless. So they could have kind of brushed it off and, and been more focused on the champion or like on the the playoff versus the conference championship. But no, those teams were absolutely just just pounding. It was nothing but haymakers. And like that was that was quality football. I, I texted you. I was like, man, if if every college football game was like this, I would watch a shitload more college football because that like that was good. Just yeah. good entertainment there
0: yeah it's good defense and like the only big plays we had were like impressive plays like Cade Warner almost had a really big catch that he went up and grabbed with one hand ended up getting called incomplete but it was impressive and then Quentin Johnson had one over the top he's going to be an NFL guy next year for sure which went for like 50 yards in the opening series so nothing too huge besides that which is like kind of surprising for Big 12 football because they're kind of known for having no secondaries but it was a lot of fun even and I also want to give a quick shout out to Purdue as well uh they were were completely outclassed by michigan just in terms of talent but they pulled out all the stops over the weekend like yeah they settled for some field goals but like they had some creative plays uh i don't know if you got to see it but there's a replay of one of their plays where they did a fake flea flicker which I've never seen before in my life. The running back got the ball, ran up a couple of yards, didn't pass the line of scrimmage, then back or faked the lateral back to the quarterback and then just started running and he got a first down out of it. So shout out Purdue for just trying everything in order to beat Michigan still. (laughs) Um, In terms of your Heisman prediction, we both said Caleb Williams. Do you think that changes for you or are you still going with the USC quarterback? It's tough. I feel
1: like you, you still do so... Uh, you know, Bama didn't play in their championship. Ohio State didn't play in their championship. Therefore, it's like, how do you penalize a kid playing hurt in his championship game when the other kind of Heisman hopefuls didn't even play this week? Um, so, so for like, for that reason, I think he, he should still definitely get the consideration, uh, and, and I would still put him, because you, you could watch that game, and it wasn't Caleb Williams out there missing tackles, right? It was just their secondary that felt like not letting um, a single Utah State player touch the ground. So... I, I still think it's him. It, it's got to be.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, He's still the betting odds favorite at minus 2200. Uh, Max Duggan really made a push, though. Uh, He's made his way into second best odds. And then Stetson Bennett and CJ Stroud are kind of the down ballot guys. I think if there was a chance for someone in order to win this in the last weekend, it was probably going to be Michigan's uh, running back Blake Corum. Um, But he ended up being out for the season and Donovan Edwards played really well in relief for Michigan. So I don't think there's any chance that it doesn't end up being Caleb Williams, which I think is the right choice his statistics are just head and shoulders above everybody else and it's not like he's a Houston quarterback or western Kentucky quarterback or something where big statistics are supposed to be a thing uh, he's playing against really quality opponents and an offense that's more pro style so I think it's definitely Caleb Williams to lose at this point well,
1: and, and if I'm not mistaken UNC's quarterback may had an outside you know a puncher's chance if you will and then kind of shit the bed this week and against Clemson so it's like you know, there kind of went what I felt was the, the most competition. Obviously, Duggan stepped up that people maybe weren't expecting that kind of performance, even though he's had a highly efficient year. He only had like three interceptions the whole season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, maybe people shouldn't have been sleeping on him the way they were. But yeah, it's definitely, it felt like it was kind of a head and head race between May and, and uh, Williams, with Williams obviously ahead by a decent amount. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously, USC looks bad. It's like, okay, May, if, you know, if you ball out, you're giving yourself a chance. And that is not what happened at all.
0: Yeah, I was very much so on the May train, um, but he actually had four interceptions in their last three games, all losses. So he really fell off. Uh, also, a few more changes in coaching for college football, uh, mainly Deion Sanders going to Colorado. He went over from Jackson State, um, a school that he's really helped turn around and get a lot of high-level recruits. But do you think that Deion Sanders, prime time, you know, multi-sport athlete, big charisma, do you think he'll end up being successful at Colorado, or do you think it's just too tough of a job at this
1: point? I I think he will. So obviously, you know, being in kind of the HBCU leagues, I I feel like there's a little bit less competition, obviously fantastic athletes, but the top guys still tend to go to SEC schools. So like having the big name of Dion stealing some of those five-star recruits was basically a cheat code for that, that league. Uh, but however, you know, taking those same players to Colorado State is, is going to do just as much for that program. I mean, you're, college football is so different from NFL where the, the head coach really has so much power and kind of shaping the, the organization in the sense that his charisma, his kind of stature can bring in talent the way it just doesn't in the NFL. Obviously, right, you, you need GMs in the NFL and smart drafting, like Dion can just show up to a kid's house, and they're going to be like, "Oh shit, I'm going to go play for Dion." Like, like he's going to be able to get eighteen-year-olds to want to run through a wall, and, and that's what you need. Yeah. So I, I think he'll be successful wherever he goes. Because I mean, this is Dion, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm kind of like sad in a sense for Jackson State. It was really cool to see, you know, big big-time players coming back and helping out uh, the HBCUs. And, and I think that'd have been awesome if you'd have just say, you know what, no, I'm I'm happy being here and, and kind of made it go, but. I think guys that competitive, you know, elite athletes like that aren't. Once they kind of feel like they conquered something, they're not sticking around, right? They're they're always looking for that next big challenge, and, and that's just what Deion did. I don't think anyone faults him for it. It just would have been neat to see that, especially if you could have got like Shannon Sharp to come back and and coach for uh, Savannah State or something like that. You know I mean, like just finding these players to come back to the league and, and give back. Um, not that they don't give back. I'm just saying, like to keep kind of building that. That'd have been really cool to see.
0: Yeah, it's definitely building to something bigger. And Dion did a great job with that team. He got a ton of high-level recruits. And I think most importantly, he did develop a lot of really solid players, guys that are going to go to the NFL and continue this just like legacy of success for Jackson State. As always with these kind of things, it's the players that are getting screwed out of it. Um, but yeah, if you're Dion, you really can't give up an opportunity like this. I really wish he would have gone to somewhere that he would have been built for immediate success a little bit more so. So, like I, I we talked about Cincinnati as an option for him potentially Um even like a southern Florida I think would have been a little bit better of a job even with their recent lack of success Colorado is just such a tough job like they haven't been like super relevant since the 90s they've had like one or two good seasons in there but yeah it's been a long time since they've been in like a national presence so I think it's gonna be a little tough up front but he's already gotten a five-star recruit that's gonna be going there in 2025 at least. So plus they they said today in the press conference that Dion Sun, who is the quarterback um, for Jackson State, He's probably going to be transferring to Colorado. So that's a big get for them as well, just to help lay a foundation. So um, rooting for him. I, I genuinely am rooting for Deion Sanders. And like, I don't think he's ever been bad at anything in his life. Um, I just worry a little bit that Colorado might be too tough of a job for anybody. I would, I wish someone as a bridge coach would have come in there and maybe fixed some things first. And I
1: think he found the cheat code, right? If you just have elite athletes for sons that follow you, it really makes recruiting a lot easier. I think Saban should try that. He should have had some five-star... Uh, quarterbacks for sons um and, and maybe it, you know it could have made his his uh vault into the top of of coaching just a little that much easier
0: oh yeah 100 because you know you choose your genetics you, know, you just put exactly. a little gene splicing in there you know a little uh sickle cell theory kind of stuff crazy, right, crazy. we're we'll gonna start
1: whispering our, our
0: athletes exactly on the nfl side of things this week lot of big games this weekend that really shook a lot of the playoffs, um, starting off with uh, some big injuries. Uh, Joe Mixon didn't play this week. Jalen Waddell went down early today, and he didn't have a catch on four targets. Kenneth Walker III also got hurt early in his game. He only had three carries. Jimmy G got hurt in the first couple of series for the San Francisco 49ers. Lamar Jackson, probably the biggest one of the weekend, he also went down with Huntley and relief and then Trevor Lawrence ended up going down but he came back late in the game for the Jacksonville Jaguars his injury looked the worst out of all of them in my opinion he got his ankle completely bent back so that looks super painful so um, out of all of these which one do you think is going to be the most impactful or like most worrying for their teams going forward
1: so it'll be interesting to see like the fact that Lawrence is able to come back was huge. Cause that definitely looked like a torn MCL or ACL that just the way he got twisted. And you know, his was like was stuck under alignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar there. already said it's not season ending. So that's great, but he might be out for a couple weeks here. Jimmy G's. We haven't heard anything about yet, but that definitely was like a textbook ankle breaker. Just the way like a knee went straight into his ankle bone. Like there's just nowhere for his foot to pivot. Um, so I just in that sense, like, you know, I mean starting quarterbacks going down is, is the biggest um tough break you can have. So obviously uh Kenneth Walker is incredible, but it, it's not your quarterback, you know, Waddle is incredible, but they still have Tyreek Hill. They still have uh you know a lot going on there. And then Mixon, um, I was glad he sat one more week because I have some AGP Ryan in a few leagues. <laughs> but you know, him coming back, I think, is good for Mixon owners in the sense that he'll be well rested. Um I think the big takeaway, and I'd be curious on your take, is like, do you think after how well P. Ryan's been playing, has he earned himself more touches where it's more of a pure 50 50 split? Or do you think Mixon just goes straight back to being the workhorse back?
0: Yeah, I think that you need to start giving P. Ryan more touches, right? Because, like, Joe Mixon had that one big game, a bit of an outlier, but he's been kind of inefficient, which we outlined going into the blowout game Um, not having a super high yards per carry honestly not having a lot of touchdowns outside of that game so I think Samaje is just a more dynamic running back because he offers up that receiving game. Um, he, that's what he's been doing in his entire career is just being that third down back, you know, take it out of the backfield. And they were getting him involved early and often in this game. And he had a really, really big week. So uh, they they mixed in a little bit of Chris Evans today. I expect him to go away. But I would love for this to be a bit more of a 50-50 split because they're just a so much more dynamic offense whenever he's playing a lot. And it showed today the Bengals got the win over the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Yeah. And, and when you have, you know, like Jamar played really well today, you know, considering coming back from a four week injury. Uh, so when you have Jamar T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and then Mixon and P Ryan out there, I, I could I think it'd be interesting for them to run some of those uh, like Packer jumbo sets where you have two legitimate halfback ones, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they could really start to be creative there, but you just have so many weapons when you get to spread the love a bit, you're you're going to save some of those legs, uh, especially when you're trying to make a playoff push, which this Bengals team is absolutely turning it on at the right time and, and making that push. So I, I'd li- I'm with you. I'd like to see them, you know, as much as fantasy owners hate seeing 50 50 splits, like this backfield needs to be 50 50 because Mixon is a huge, you t- a big time playmaker when he's in. And P. Ryan's proving he's, you know, he's got that explosion when you need it. So I, I think it makes the Bengals a better team having, uh, I guess, more. More options in the back from the sense like you you don't know exactly what they're doing when, when one or another back is on the field. Like you want it to really feel like we, we don't know what's happening when Mixon or Ryan is out there. Like if you could flip flop, you know, which series uh, one of them is going to be a third down back versus the first two downs. Like they've both proven they have that skill set and be kind of cool to see them, you know, toy with that a little bit.
0: Yeah, the optionality optionality is huge, and the trust is huge as well. Uh, Tyler Boyd had a massive drop. I, I tweeted out that it was one of the worst drops that I've ever seen, and I, I was being honest. Like he was wide open, no one was within five yards of him, and he just dropped it right at the goal line, hit him right in the hands. It wasn't even a hard catch; it was just like right over the shoulder, and he just looked dumbfounded afterwards. So I think Piron could also kind of bleed into the wide receivers workload a little bit too. Uh, just looking at some other the games that were going down over the weekend, uh, the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson going down. Um, we're able to pull it out with Huntley
1: at quarterback. Um, what did you think
0: of his performance against Denver this week?
1: So I didn't get to see the game, but this is definitely the biggest indictment on the Broncos possible, right? You're up and Lamar goes down and you still can't squeak out this win. That off, I mean, they, they only gave up 10 points as a defense. So as a defense, you got to be like, Jesus, guys, we have to win this game. I don't know how Russ is even allowed back onto that airplane or or I guess more specifically Nathaniel Hackett. Like he's got to go. Right. I mean, there's no, if they bring him back, they're just admitting, Hey, we're cool winning three games a year for the next, at least the next season. Like he's gotta be gone.
0: Yeah. I don't know how they really rectify that position. If you're Denver, like it's just such a lost season and they don't even have their first round pick because it's going to go to Seattle from the Russell Wilson trade. So I think there's kind of a lost cause at this point. Um, Cortland Sutton got hurt in this game. Jerry Judy, got sick before this game. Like it's it just all bad juju going out of Denver um, on the Ravens side of thing. I'm a little bit concerned with this injury because this is the exact same situation that we saw last year. It's a little bit of deja vu going on. They were eight and four going into the last five games of the season. Lamar Jackson gets hurt and then Huntley comes into relief and Huntley played admirably last year and he played admirably today. It's just, he's just not as dynamic as Lamar and Lamar kind of turns into their whole offense when they need a hero ball kind of situation and they lost five straight games last year and missed the playoffs. So it's not impossible that that kind of sort of situation happens again. We don't really know the prognosis on Lamar. I've heard days. I've heard weeks. Um, but you got to be at least a little bit worried whenever you're the Ravens, and they've had injuries everywhere else, like Patrick Queen went down today. So I'm a little bit worried for the Ravens on that You
1: one. No, you absolutely have to be because, to your point, this offense needs Lamar to hum. Like, it's built around Lamar. So when Lamar's not there, it is just – a completely ineffective offense. Not that Huntley is a bad player, but he's just not Lamar Jackson, right? Like yeah. that's just, it is what it is. And this Bengals team is as hot as hot can be. You know, they're, they started off slow, but they are winning games. They're figuring it out. Their defense held the chiefs to 24, right? It's 24 to 27 was the final. Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a pretty big move there. Cause the chiefs have been dropping 30 burgers on everybody this year. So like, I mean, the Bengals are for real, I think they're tied at this point, then now, right? They're both like seven and four, or eight, eight and four, something. Eight and like. four. four. Okay. Sure. Like they're, they're both kind of right in that same win loss or their their record. If you don't have Lamar for a couple of weeks, you, you just lose your division. And now you have to hope the, the Jets keep losing or the Patriots keep losing because like the AFC is just a lot of teams at or above 500, yet you cannot afford to lose games uh, exactly. at this point. Yeah,
0: the playoff positioning is getting really tight. Um, It's happening in the AFC. and It's also happening in the NFC. Um, A big game of consequence today was the Washington Commanders and the New York Giants. Uh, The Giants were up late, gave up a late touchdown to allow the Commanders to tie it, goes into OT, and neither team really wanted to win this one. And we ended up with our second tie of the season. So what do you think this does to affect their playoff chances going forward?
1: it's really nice of them, you know, even though they're NFC rivals to be like, Hey, don't lose. Uh, So that way we can kind of keep the dream alive of the whole conference, making it to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I think it affects everyone else, right? It makes it harder for the Packers to squeak in. It makes it harder for who's the other in the hunt teams. Like like any AFC or NFC South team that isn't going to win the division, but it's like, God, that conference is so bad that just write it off at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's, I, I, I feel like it's just the NFC East plus the other winners at this point are, are going to the playoffs because the Commanders are just sun running right now.
0: Yeah, it's going to be kind of between the Seahawks and the Commanders for that last playoff spot. The Giants are also right there, honestly, at 7-4-1. One. Um, this one's going to go down to the wire. And there's a couple other teams that are still nipping at their heels, uh, predominantly my Detroit Lions, who won 40 to. I think it's 16, 14, something like that, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's going to be tight all the way to the finish. The commanders really needed to win this one. So good for them on coming back to at least force a tie. Um, I felt like this kind of hurt the Giants a little bit um falling further behind in terms of the wild uh standings another win would have put them right up there with like the cowboys and such with a little bit more surety and i think that just letting this game slip away a little bit whenever you have guys that are good at running the ball like daniel jones and saquon barkley like they probably should have put this one away um so I think this one hurts them a little bit, but they were definitely shorthanded today. Kenny Galladay was hurt, or he was sick again before the game today. Wendell Robinson went down. So they were down to like Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins. And like, who, who, who's, who's, who's yeah. Isaiah Hodgins? Like, no, no one I think knows. we're just
1: going to run to the point where the Giants team is not a highly talented team. They have a fantastic coaching staff, but we said about the Titans, we've said it about just a lot of people. Like the coaching staff's going to keep them in games. They might win a few games they shouldn't, but their talent's not going to carry them over the top. Uh, if you stack the box right, Saquon can't win the game at that point. Exactly. And then like I, Daniel Jones is not gonna carry you through the playoffs. He he can keep it afloat, but he's he's not gonna elevate a team. Exactly.
0: I'm, I, I'm so curious to see what his free agent thing ends up looking like this offseason. Like, does he come back or do the Giants try and get an upgrade or just mix it up even further? Like this whole season kind of changed everything for them, I feel like, because I don't think they really expected to compete this much. And now they have to make a decision on Daniel Jones, uh, like Saquon Barkley with do they want to gamble on his health? Like, I think there's a lot of big decisions to be had in New York this offseason. Can uh,
1: we take don't... a second, like, uh, the Lions are playing so well right now. Um, you know, they have a chance at the playoffs. It's kind of an outside chance, obviously, with where they're standing. Um, but can we just appreciate what Amon Ross St. Brown does for those making that playoff push? Like, he just loves to turn it on when there's about six to eight games left in the season, and you'll love to see it.
0: Yeah, he's really good in this end game sort of situation. Uh, there have been a lot of people that are running the numbers on who's been on the most – winning teams kind of like that thing where it's like who made the playoffs who what players actually helped you make the playoffs and amon ra is right up there amongst the most winning of teams he's up there with like Ramondre stevenson and such so he is huge uh especially uh whenever he's healthy and doesn't leave a game early in his last 15 games where he's been healthy and not left a game early he's had at least seven receptions which like that's such a good floor if you're looking at a fancy sort of proposition. Uh, the Lions are kind of like the last team in the NFC that can still potentially make some noise. They need a lot of help in order to make the playoffs. They need the commanders to struggle. They need the Seahawks to struggle. Uh, but they're right there at number nine. And what's huge for me as a fan is being able to like play a little bit of both sides. It's like that always sunny meme where it's like, I play both sides, so I always win, uh, where they have the playoff positioning and they're going to get a high draft pick because the Rams lost again today and they're in that fourth pick position right now. I feel like we could get a quarterback and we can potentially make a playoff run. We're having the best of both worlds. So I'm very
1: happy as a Lions fan right now. Not a bad time to be a Lions fan. Yeah, it's it's good. The thing I've been complaining about with the Patriots, right, is like we're boring to watch between the Broncos and the Patriots. like both fan bases have to just be like, this is abysmal because the offense is just so incompetent. So Even when the Lions lose, and the Lions lose in the most Lions way possible, right? Like, it's always weird calls or just like plays where you scratch your head for like the next hour. But at least they're like exciting games to watch, mm-hmm. except for the Patriots game. Somehow, like, that was the one that wasn't exciting if you're a Lions fan. Yeah. Um, so, tell. like, yeah. So that, like, I don't know. It, it just makes it more entertaining, right? Like, you enjoy your weekends coming up. But I'm just like, Jesus, I hope we can score 10 points on offense. Like, it's it's been rough here for a little bit. Yeah, you want to scratch your eyes
0: out. But with the Jets losing today, the Chargers losing today, that keeps you guys right in the playoff position that you need to get. Mm -hmm. And also the Dolphins lost too, so that can potentially help with some tiebreakers. So um, looking forward a little bit to – This one was a wild one to watch. Uh, I've never been happy about being in the Houston Texans, like time zone, uh, like TV area for their games. But today I was very excited because I want to see what happened with Deshaun Watson. I know there would be a lot of drama with him coming back to Houston. It's his first game back. And Cleveland won the game, but Deshaun Watson did nothing in order to help that out. Um, He looked incredibly rusty in his first game back. He was missing the easiest of throws. Um, His receivers weren't really helping him out with fumbles and drops as well, but he wasn't doing much of anything. Um, And he wasn't like his normal dangerous self on the ground either. He looked a little out of shape. And I'm sure he was just happy to be back on the field, but the Texans fans were not letting him have anything. Uh, The boos were loud and they were coming often. I was kind of hoping to hear some of the chants that were going around, but um, I saw some very creative signs that the Texans fans (laughs) were making. So it was definitely appointment TV. And the Browns defense made it really exciting because they had a fumble recovery for a touchdown, they had an interception recovery for a touchdown. And they had a, a punt return for a touchdown as well. But, uh, yeah, it's just a very ugly game for Deshaun Watson. It kind of makes me wonder if the Browns really want to start him going forward and just let him get some rest
1: and Jacoby Brissett start the rest of the way. I, and this has nothing to do with football. I, I was wondering, like, you know, the, the, like, the my cause, my cleats thing is going on. And, you, you know, they definitely have to run that through um, the NFL PR team. Like, I wonder if if someone more like believe women as they're like, that's my cause cleats. Like, do you think the NFL would be like, no, can't wear that? Like, would they, would they be defending Deshaun there? I feel like they absolutely would
0: yeah probably i i don't know they were showing it during the game today and i was like looking around trying to like read some of them that they were putting on screen and they're like just like the most of stuff stuff that's not controversial like cancer and military awareness and such so the nfl really doesn't try to help one of its smaller demographics um it's it's a very weird thing what they'll throw themselves behind and uh yeah i am curious to see if anyone will end up doing that or maybe like a me too or like you said believe women um that would definitely shake some things up but there's a lot of players that are very still pro watson like they're showing texans uh, players after the game they were doing like jersey swaps with deshaun watson and the whole thing was just really scummy yeah moving on to winners and losers get away from that uncomfortable convo a lot of big quarterback winners this week jalen hurt still a fancy cheat code with 34 points this week joe burrow was huge in their win against the City chiefs he had 30 points and geno smith should have had a bigger day but he still finished with 23 points and looked really impressive in their win against the LA Rams. So which one of these stuck out to you?
1: Stuck out. I'd say, bro, it's good to see him kind of back on track in the sense of like, he's been a little bit up and down this season. Uh, I, you might be able to look it up here quickly, but I don't know what he is overall on the year. It just feels like he hasn't quite lived up to where maybe we thought. And part of that's probably Jamar chase being out for a month, but uh, so that's great to see Gino, Man, if he just didn't fumble, didn't throw an interception, what a week it would have been, right? Like losing four points is the equivalent of losing a touchdown, yeah. so that's that's tough. But you know, Geno's just so consistent, been playing really well. He's he's like can't break that twenty-five point barrier, but he also seems to always be at least at nineteen. So for someone you probably picked up off of waivers, especially in like two quarterback leagues, like Geno has been just stellar this season for you.
0: Yeah. Gino's really sustained it, which is what's been impressive to me. I thought that there might be a little of a later season swoon, but I mean, completing 70% of your passes pretty much every single week, that's going to make you at least a decent fantasy quarterback. He's QB7 on the season and then joe burrow is qb4 on the season which really which really snuck up on me a little bit he had such a bad week one with the five turnovers like that's like historically bad that's like late career peyton manning kind of bad but he's really turned it around been really consistent ever since and i think a lot of that also comes down to samaj p ryan just being as good as he has over the last few weeks um the only bad week that uh joe burrow has really had over the last stretch was when joe mixon was going off so um i think zach taylor also deserves a lot of credit in the situation um he's gotten really creative with that offense and getting guys like t higgins really really good looks and i think zach taylor has been getting a lot of flack as like the problem in cincinnati but they're eight and four and kind of flying high and i, I think that just like looking at what the alternative could have been, which is like an L.A. Rams type situation. This is like the best you can potentially have coming off of a Super Bowl, um, in my opinion. Like a lot of For teams sure. usually a lot of teams usually have a swoon.
1: Well, and the, the big thing with the Bengals is, you know, people were just all over Zach Taylor, right? Like his first season was atrocious. So, was it the second season when he was there? They finally made like that was their year. Like this is his yeah. third year, right? I mean, like for someone, he, he flipped the script on his career so quickly. I think people should really applaud that. And yeah, to your point, just getting very creative with the looks, being smart on fourth down and the sense of like, you know, going for it against the, the Chiefs makes sense in certain situations. And, and he was picking the correct situations. You know, it didn't work out for them one time. You know, they, they didn't get points right before half because they did kind of a, a too cutesy of a play where you only need half a yard. But they're, they were picking the right times to go for it because that, that didn't turn into Chiefs' points. That Chiefs just didn't have enough time uh, to move it back down the field. Then there's other times, you know, it's like fourth and three, and, and some coaches, the Brandon Staleys are the world, like, this is when we got to go for it. And he's like, no, we're we're going to take our points here. We're, we'll get the ball back. We'll be fine. Like, he's making good decisions. And I don't think people are giving him enough credit for it.
0: Yeah. Bengals have looked incredibly disciplined over the last few weeks. And I think a lot of that goes down to Zach Taylor's studying presence. All right, and then on the loser side of the column, we have to do it. Uh, we already mentioned Deshaun Watson, abysmal five points today. Even, like Our expectations are low, but holy fuck. Uh, next up, Russell Wilson, only nine points this week. He didn't have another touchdown. Um, that's multiple weeks for him this season where that's happened. And then Aaron Rodgers finished with 13 points. Um, the Packers won, so like you got to be happy with that. But it wasn't a vintage Aaron Rodgers performance by any means.
1: Yeah, this one I'd say Aaron isn't a loser in the in the reasoning being like the offense played well today. Like if the offense looked bad and Aaron had 13 points he'd be like what happened but it's like they were running the ball really well. They didn't quite need him to do what he normally does against the Bears. Um Wilson I, I think the the going joke right now is he's going to have less touchdown passes than bathrooms in the house he bought in Denver this year so he's on pace for like 0.73 touchdowns a game so like he needs a touchdown pass Every game the rest of the season or he will have more Bathrooms and touchdowns Uh so Really a shitty season for Russell And it's just going to keep on going
0: That's fantastic I haven't heard that Is that his new house in Denver? Yeah
1: oh wow Sierra, about Some like just you know mega mansion That had 13 rooms 12 Baths something. I mean just like something insane So That's people cool. are like just making fun of him for it
0: Yeah I mean yeah they have that Combined money where they can spend
1: a lot God. Oh yeah. They've, yeah they've got plenty of money over There in Wilson Manor yeah, this was
0: his fourth game this season where he has not had a touchdown either on the ground or through the air. Uh, Just a really abysmal season for him. Um, he's under 50% in terms of fancy ownership this year, too. So I don't think anyone really saw this much of a downfall happening for him. But yeah, Denver doesn't really have a way out.
1: Is it is it Russell or is it Hackett? I, so at first I was like, oh, Russell's just playing bad. And the more you see some of the games, because they keep getting force fed to us in prime time, it's like, where is he supposed to go with the ball? Like some of the schemes that this Hackett offense has just is really bewildering. I think his place definitely dropped off, but I, I think with a competent coaching staff, this offense looks a lot better. Yeah,
0: I agree. I don't really know who they go and get this off season in order to make things happen. I haven't really looked at like who would be head coaching candidates, but uh the, the rumor right now has been Jim Harbaugh could end up going into the NFL ranks and like that might be something that helps revitalize him. Uh it's low key. Like Jim Harbaugh's been really, really good in the NFL. Um he kind of lost ownership support in the last little bit of his San Francisco 49ers run. But like everywhere that he's gone, whether it's Stanford, Michigan, or San Francisco, like they've turned to gold at least for a little bit. So I think that might be the one person that I'd really trust with this situation. Well, and why I think would there could Harbaugh
1: be like okay. I, I get it, they, they always want new challenges, but it's like he's a Michigan guy. He's got Michigan, you know, continually being a playoff team. It, it just feels like, what? How's there a next move? Like, there's nothing wrong with being Michigan's Nick Saban, and it's like he could really do that. It feels like
0: yeah I mean, he has a lot of connections with the McCaffreys and the McCaffreys are all currently in Colorado outside of Christian. It's been shown that he's willing to go west with San Francisco and Stanford. So I think it kind of fits his vibe at least. and like honestly, like if you're the new Denver Broncos ownership group, which includes like the the Waldens and such, I think you throw the kitchen sink at jim harbaugh and just be like hey you can do everything here you can put in your own coaching staff you can put in your own new gm uh, fuck the elways it's now harbaugh here in denver and so i think that could end up being something that's enticing to him and i don't know if you see the writing on the wall a little bit with like nil stuff and uh you know this might be the best season that michigan can potentially have uh, maybe you do make the jump. I, we've seen it with like Nick Saban, like wanting to go from the the college football ranks and going to the NFL ranks because it's just like the premiere of all coaching. It's way easier, right? You don't have to do, re- do recruiting and everything. So I think it could happen, and I think that that might be the destination. I think you make a ton of money from Denver all right looking at running back winners let's get back on program uh cmc had a big week not a big surprise 29 points he looked a little bit slow for a few weeks there so that definitely helps him and his stock uh this next couple killed me I texted you about it DeAndre Swift with 21 points and AJ Dillon with 21 points both guys that we've had recently on our cut them off candidates just randomly, both of them going off this week. Absolutely killer and really hurting our credibility on that segment. And then Samadji P. Ryan, who we have pointed out, really good today. 21 points as well. Which one yeah, of these you want to talk about?
1: In Spain without the S right now. Um, this hurts. I, Dylan and I finally did cut in, in pretty much any league except my Dynasty League. Uh, so to see him go off sucks because he got swoop, scooped up by other people just due to name value on that one. Swift, this is why I was saying it last week when you brought him. Like you cannot drop him because he just has elite upside when he actually gets usage, and he finally got usage, which is like oh shocker, he's really good when he gets touches. Uh, I don't see this being sustainable for AJ Dillon. He got lucky that Aaron Jones went down because this season it felt like it was supposed to be excuse me one A one B because that's you know what Lafleur said, and then it's definitely been all one A Aaron Jones, and he gets hurt, Dylan gets more touches, he looks better. I, You know, their offense just looks so good today, but I feel like everyone does against the Bears. Uh, I just don't know why Dylan doesn't get more touches, but I, I don't feel like this is sustainable or this is like they haven't proven they want to keep giving consistent touches to, to Dylan.
0: Yeah, uh, the Dylan one, I would not go back and pick him up. Just because of what you mentioned, Aaron Jones went down early. He ended up coming back later in the game, and so it doesn't look like the injury is going to be a thing. Uh, so I don't think that Dylan starts getting a elite workload unless Jones like goes all the way out. On the DeAndre Swift thing, I think the logic is still sound. I, I we haven't got we haven't got the numbers yet on like what exactly the snap percentage looked like for this game but last week at least it was like three-fourths were going to Jamal Williams luckily this week uh, Jared Goff had an excellent game he really was doing well in the passing game and DeAndre Swift was the beneficiary of that and then for whatever reason all these one yard rushes have usually been going to Jamal Williams they decided to give one to DeAndre Swift and he was able to score right on the goal line so I'm still kind of out on DeAndre Swift if he was on your waiver wire go pick him up I dropped him in a couple of my leagues that are really really shallow like they're 18 leagues and such and you really can't have guys that are struggling because like the best of the best have to be on your roster but he's definitely not an option for me at least going forward for starting like he's still sitting on my bench in a lot of leagues for sure
1: not, i've um, been stashing him in my 18 league it's yeah. he's definitely not played at all but it's like it, it's hard that's a hard drop yes that's fair
0: i think that's kind of the way to go it's kind of like Ceh C- earlier in the season, where it's like maybe don't hundred percent drop him, but he's definitely sitting on your bench at the very end of your bench, and he's definitely a cut candidate if he has a few more weeks of struggling. I may have jumped the gun slightly there. On the loser side of things, um, Cordell Patterson has been puzzling lately. He only had six points today for the Falcons in their game against the Steelers. Kenneth Walker third. Kind of a loser, kind of not. He got hurt and didn't come back in this game. He finished with four points. And then Derrick Henry today, kind of a puzzling one, but I think game script really came down for this one. He had six points, and they got blown out today uh, for the Tennessee Titans. So um, which one of these are you most worried about?
1: Probably Cordero Patterson mainly because kenneth was injury related titans was game script like this team is, is physically incapable of coming from a two score deficit like they need to be in the lead and constantly feeding henry you know you don't get 30 touches when you're down by three touchdowns yeah um patterson you know is a close game the whole time the, the serious defense is good but if there's one thing you can do is run against them so it's like it it makes no sense that he wasn't getting some good rushing upside but it's just the classic, wacky, puzzling world of the, the Atlanta offense. Um, and It's just one of those things where it's like, man, I just hate to have any player on this team because you just do not know what they're going to do. It's like Arthur Smith thinks that like subverting expectations makes for good offense. It's like, no, you have to give your best players the ball just in creative ways, not like randomly pick someone to touch the ball. And that's how you, you confuse them.
0: Yeah, and the options are starting to dwindle. Kyle Pitts is out for the season. Mariota's not been up to snuff. So, I'm worried in that situation, and we'll get into that with our cut him off segment. Are you worried at all about Derrick Henry or do you just like fully chalk it up to, "Hey, this is the Philadelphia Eagles. They're
1: world it's, beaters and they got the up Eagles. Early. Yeah, it's the it's yeah. the Eagles got up early. You you're starting Henry every week cuz he has the capability of getting 35 touches a game, which is just huge as a running back
0: i agree yeah the thing that only hurt him was this was his season low in terms of carries he had 11 today i don't see that being a thing going forward i think he returns back to his average which is like right around 20. all right on the wide receiver side it was all about the wide receivers this week a lot of big performances we're going to highlight a few of them Devontae adams had two touchdown catches within five minutes of each other in the third quarter and he got yeah, 38 painful. points yeah avon st brown we already detailed him 35 points today. He was huge for the Lions. A.J. Brown in his revenge game had two touchdowns as well, 32 points. Tyree Kill had 30 points uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and honestly, he could really go off over the next few weeks if Jalen Waddle's injury is serious. Um, and then Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf had almost identical stat lines today for the Seattle Seahawks. Both had a ton of catches, both had over 100 yards, and both scored a touchdown with both of them scoring at least 27 points today, so which one of these have you the most excited which one do you want to talk about
1: these were mostly painful like excited was saint brown because i own a decent amount of saint brown painful was adams because the guy i'm going against in my most important league at this point had Devante as well as uh dk and it's like everything was looking good Devante was kind of on track for one of his you know four point performances and all of a sudden it was like two notifications later he's at 30 points and my week was over at that point like it's just brutal um AJ Brown's you know pretty exciting to see like there's just a lot of big time players in the wide receivers position. It, it keeps just pointing back to us having this constant conversation of like next year it feels like if you're drafting anything besides zero wide receiver, you might be doing yourself a disservice because the running backs you know right T- 29 21 21 21. good performances but not like game winning. the receivers 38, 35 32 like that's that's game or you know weak winning. Uh, yeah obviously, we have like the Josh Jacobs type weeks like last week, so like I could very easily flip the script, but these receivers are just so consistent, so you know game breaking. Uh, it's it's just really interesting to see kind of the the change of fantasy football. and I think it's mostly the prevalence of um of just PPR leagues. like when teams are throwing the ball fifty times and you know it's good high accuracy um, type passes, you're gonna just get these big time performances.
0: Yeah, we've been talking about it a lot, but like just to also belabor this slightly, uh, just looking at the top 10 running backs this week, there are a lot of guys that you could have gotten on your waiver wire. Like A.J. Dillon was on a lot of waiver wires. Cam Akers has been on a lot of waiver wires. Zomin Knight, a guy we talked about last week, bam, looked great this week again. And then James Cook as well, Like he was on a lot of waiver wires going into this week as well. So it's just the lack of consistency for the running backs whereas the wide receivers it's like these yeah. top guys that are going the first three rounds and like loading up on them seems to be the way to go
1: I was gonna say, like the exact opposite right all these wide receivers were gone by fourth round besides locket yeah like even dk was like a reach this year and he was still gone by the fourth or fifth round
0: yeah and these are guys that i don't see slowing down anytime soon so if you have a lot of these guys also in like dynasty you're feeling really good about your team going forward because your upside is just huge so um on the other end, uh, we have some of these like later-round wide receivers that just really haven't been producing lately. Cortland Sutton, um, he had one target today, zero catches, and translate that into zero points. George Pickens, um, very, very confusing game today. He had one catch for two yards. There's a soundbite of him on the sideline where he was looking at the head coach and the Tomlin and the OC and was like, get me the damn ball. And he just like did not get any catches today, really. And then Mari Cooper. Finished with six points as well today. He's been actually a sneaky good fancy asset this year, but he just did not perform well today. So any of these you're overly worried about going forward?
1: Maybe Cooper. I would keep my eye on that the most because, you you know, you felt like Deshaun was going to give him an uptick and it just looked really bad today for, for the Browns. Uh, you know, if it's another week of this and you have to like make that decision for the playoffs, and it's like, oh, I've seen two bad weeks of Brown offense, like, you just can't play him at that point. Pickens, like, that's just what he, that's George Pickens. He's going for 20 or he's going for zero. And I've seen to always play him on the weeks of zero. Luckily, <laughs> I pulled him out this week just in time for, for P. Ryan, and, and it, you know, worked out for me. But that just is what it is. And then Sutton, like, you're just not playing Broncos players unless there's absolutely no other option. Right? like I have Latavius Murray on a few benches, and that's just a oh, he's technically an RB one, or you know, a, a team's RB one if one of my running backs gets injured, and like you can chalk him up for a guaranteed ten points. Um, but you, there's no ceiling, right? They're they're only floor plays for the Broncos. So it, Sutton's like uh, honestly, we could put him as a cut him off, like Sutton Judy. I, there's no point in keeping him. I like, yeah. I just don't know why you would at this point if there's anything else out there with a little bit of upside.
0: Yeah, the wide receivers in Denver have been disappointing, to say the least. I think everybody on their offense, who we expected to be a pretty dynamic offense with Javante Williams and Jerry Judy, and uh, you can even go Albert O and such. And this whole offense has just lost its shine throughout the season. So I definitely agree. Sutton's not been someone that I've been high on throughout the year. Um, One wide receiver I want to talk about just real quick, and he doesn't fit into any of our categories just because he had like a pretty good week, was Christian Watson. He's now had eight touchdowns in the last four weeks. That's only been like 17 touches for him over that time span. So do you think that he can keep this up going forward over the last few games, or do you think this is a flash in the pan?
1: That That's tough. I mean, to, the touchdowns are the hardest part. If he was just getting a ton of yards and a ton of target volume, I'd feel a lot better. But it's just like he's just making big plays, and that's not a consistent part of NFL football. Uh, I would say – you know, there, there's the potential he could be kind of this year's Amon Ra St. Brown, and it feels that way right now just because, I mean, he's really popping off for people that didn't stop believing, but it, I, it's just hard to, like everyone wants history to repeat itself. You, you can't guarantee someone's going to do exactly what Amon Ra did last year. You can't guarantee, you know, just certain things are always going to keep happening and, and everyone wants to draw or, you know, kind of have that pattern. I think it's just as easy to chalk it up as like, wow, he's been in the game plan these last five weeks and it's been awesome. He's definitely a playable asset going forward, but it just as easily could have been he dropped the ball or, you know, they get to the goal line and they start throwing it to Lazard. Like, you just can't really trust that Packers offense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been great if you've been playing them.
0: Yeah, I think he is a little worrying because he's kind of in that MVS role right now where like he looks like Julio Jones for a few weeks and then the very next week he'll look like Nelson Aguilar. But I believe in Christian Watson just because of the underlying things that he has going on. Um, The big plays definitely aren't sustainable, um, but he's definitely that like downfield threat that this Packers team desperately needs right now. He's really been phasing out uh, Randall Cobb and he's a rookie, and we've talked about rookies. They perform better down the stretch. I mean, just look at, like, Drake London today. He looked really great for the Falcons. And I think the other great thing is, like, we detailed out in the uh, preseason when we were going through the offseason pods, just, like, talking about guys we liked. Christian Watson's underlying athletic scores are off the charts, like, literally as good as Julio Jones. So I have faith that this can stay, and I think he must he's a must-start at this point uh i definitely don't think that you should be like trading a ton for him if your uh, fancy trade deadline hasn't been um, going on because his his stock has never been higher and it's never going to be higher probably than it is right now but i think he's going to be a guy and i think you can count on him for uh consistent production he has a bye week next week um but then after that schedule like could actually lighten up pretty nicely it's the rams which i think he'll have a big game against uh, miami who will still be fighting for playoff position minnesota who should be uh, uh, playing most of their backups at this point because they should have the division locked up, and then Detroit for in that Week 18 game if your fantasy league goes that late. So I like Watson going forward. I think that he's going to be really great, and as a rookie, he's only been improving. So there's some things there that I like.
1: I mean, a lot of the rookies did well today. Right? Garrett Wilson had a big day, like eight catches for 160 yards. Watson, great week. Drake London, good week. Yeah, uh, right. Pickens, not so good week. But like, just, <laughs> it it's pretty good all around, really.
0: Rookie wide receivers. It's a cheat code. Uh, We can quickly go through tight ends, mainly because they're boring and not exciting. Um, Greg Dolchich went for 15 points for the Denver Broncos. Noah Fant had 15 points for the Seattle Seahawks. Cole Komet had 13 points for Chicago Bears. That's the winners. Losers, Travis Kelsey had a relatively pedestrian week with only eight points. What's funny, though, is with eight points, like we'd be happy with a lot of other Titans to get that. But for Kelsey, it's a little disappointing when he's projected for like 20. Hayden Hurst had only three points. He was talking a lot of shit going into this game uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs and only finishing with a three. A little bit disappointing. And then Tyler Higbee continues his disappearing act. Only had four points today uh, with John Wolford, so... Let's move on to our cutting him off candidate. So uh, there are three main guys that we're going to be detailing uh, people that we've kind of already talked about a little bit. First, Marcus Mariota. Second, Corderell Patterson. So this is a bit of a package deal. This entire Atlanta Falcons team has looked incredibly dysfunctional over the last few weeks under Arthur Smith. Just not a lot happening. The only guy that seems rosterable at this point is Drake London. CPAT over three straight weeks has yet to crack double digits since he's come back from that injury. He's not getting as much volume with Algier being in the room. Huntley being in the room and Mariota had that upside earlier in the season but there's a lot of other guys that I think I'd rather roster at this point Uh, whether it's Daniel Jones or Kenny Pickett I think there's better options that are out there and Mariota is just not hitting that upside that we were expecting and he's been like right around like 15 points per game which isn't bad it's solid it's just like not exciting and it's not going to win you any games so um, those are kind of the first two that I detailed here
1: yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about there. Higby without Stafford is is just bad. Uh, get rid of Higby if if you can find a replacement, which seems impossible in the tight end uh, space. I I said it earlier, but like any Bronco, not named Latavius Murray, and honestly, even Latavius Murray is kind of just a. If if you have the room, you can keep him. If not, I wouldn't like fret. If you're like, oh, do I need like, can I drop him? Like, yeah, you can definitely drop Latavius Murray. So any Bronco, just. I, I don't see a reason to keep them right. Mm-hmm. Like no no one someone will pick up Jerry Judy or Corbin Sutton, but no one's gonna be like holy shit I just won my league because I was able to get Jerry Judy in week fifteen or you know week fourteen off the waiver wire. Like they're not good. I, I, not that they're not good. That Broncos offense is terrible.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, someone that we didn't talk about uh, because the late afternoon games were finishing up as we were finishing up. Jeff Wilson Jr. today one carry for three yards for the Miami Dolphins
1: say, what'd you think of that one? <laughs> I didn't see that. I don't know why. Like that, that might have to be part of the reason why they lost. I don't, I don't like That's, that's tough. I, yeah. He's been playing so well. I don't know how you're not getting more touches.
0: And that was with the Niners um, losing Jimmy G fairly early on in the game. And they had to put in Brock Purdy, who we'll talk about here in a sec. I, I can't believe that Jeff Wilson, like even with the the negative game script of them being behind, wasn't getting so, at least some receiving work. Um, but even on the running side, he he, he got, yeah, he, uh, Raheem Mostert had seven carries today to Jeff Wilson's only one, which he had 13 and 17 in their last two games. So what a puzzling decision by McDaniel here. That's wild. All right, well, we don't. We can belabor that one on a future pod. What a, what a weird week for Miami, honestly. We're going to move into our waiver ads for the week. So run me through who you're thinking of picking up this week at each position. Yeah,
1: so Mac Jones has had three uh, consecutive weeks above 15 points. This isn't the, like, oh, you're going to win your league now because you picked up Mac. But what we've been seeing is when they let Mac air it out, it actually is the only time our offense looks okay uh he you know he had 380 yards two weeks ago he looks fine against the bills uh, you know not not like great but it it was just good to see because he was like the only player trying at the end of the game like you know he was having like these scrambles where he was like dodging like five sackers just to throw it to like a Devonte parker downfield that stopped running his route and it was just like embarrassing to watch as a patriots fan but you love to see that fight in mac and he's coming on as a fantasy asset so if you're in a two quarterback league And, you know, maybe you have Lamar got injured, Trevor Lawrence got injured. You have uh, an an, Aaron Rodgers buy or something. I think Mac Jones is a good streaming option depending on matchup. And I I think he's rosterable for sure. Uh, Running back, Cam Akers, I had him, I dropped him. Um, Now I kind of wish I wouldn't have dropped him, but it is what it is, right? Uh, Anyone that's getting two touchdowns, I think it's just worth rostering and seeing if he kind of keeps that workload going. I could see them just feeding the rock to their running backs to try to make games as short as possible and just be done with this season. Uh, so I, I think he's worth grabbing. And then Donathan Peoples Jones Jr. Had a big touchdown today. Uh, had like the only bit of rapport with, with Deshaun of anyone out there. So uh, p- potentially worth snagging. And, you know, we, we have an entirely new Browns offense at this point, right? Like Kareem Hunt. We don't know what he's going to be. Nick Chubb, we don't know what he's going to be. Kamari Cooper. We don't know what they're going to be now that Deshaun's in. So it's kind of like fungal lottery tickets at the end of their season to see if you're, you're going to grab a, a piece of the Browns offense that might pop off. Yeah, and then tight end, it's like you can throw your arms up in the air. Who knows? Just just grab someone that's projected to do the best that they're that is out there.
0: Yeah, it's literally just filter on ESVN's app. Who's projected for most points? Pick up that tight end. We don't need to be doing much analysis there because nobody knows. And if anybody's trying to no, tell you, but that's, that's they what they know I've been doing right. <laughs> yeah, like even with like Jawan Johnson, who felt like the biggest slam dunk out this week. Like, what what are you supposed to do with the tight end position? I really like your guys is specifically Cam Akers and Donovan Peoples Jones. Love getting a piece of that Browns offense if Deshaun Watson figures it out. Um, I don't really blame Donovan Peoples Jones for like their uh their front office and coaches' decisions there he's just trying to make make a living and i don't really blame him with that sense so i like dpj and cam akers same thing like they're gonna be running a lot because they don't want to be putting the ball in john wolford's hands and that just makes a lot of sense that cam akers could get a lot of touches going forward no more henderson jr there and i think a lot of people were worried with um oh, what's his name kyron williams coming in yeah kyron williams right. yeah he hasn't done squat for the for the Rams, he's not been getting the run that a lot of people are expecting as a rookie. So it's the Cam Akers show, which is surprising.
1: The only downside to Cam is they're I think they're done playing the Seahawks this year. It's like everyone looks good against the Seahawks, so I, I don't know what he's going to look like. You know, when they get say the the ers again, or you know, some of these teams that are just really good, staunch defenses. I you know I could see it very quickly becoming a fifteen carry, forty yard type night because that's just an abysmal offense at this point. But you know, he's he's worth grabbing for sure.
0: Yeah, if they're gonna feed him. I mean, you might as well give it a run. My pickups that I like this week. Uh, we just got this news, so this isn't fully fair to you. But Jimmy G is out for the season. Um, there was just a report that came out: broken foot, broken something, something serious that's going to keep him out for a while. So now, no more Lance, no more Jimmy G. It's on to their third string, who played incredibly admirably today. It's Brock Purdy. Uh, just a little Mr. background. Brock Purdy exactly i was about to say just a little background he is mr irrelevant in the draft he went to iowa state his brother is currently on nebraska which is like kind of mainly how i learned about the Purdies. um but brock was two time first team all big 12 um pretty impressive considering all the quarterbacks that have been in the big 12 and that time span specifically caleb williams spencer rattler guys like that so pretty impressive that brock was managed to make the make that team two times um he played great today on honestly and relief kind of a spot duty for him. Um, he played in a couple of other times where Jimmy G has gone down. Uh, he's, he's a gamer is really all you could say. Like I saw someone today on Twitter. They were saying that he has big main character energy, and I think that's incredibly accurate. Like he's definitely going to do some boneheaded things, but he's not shy of the big moment, and uh, he's just out there. Like he's just fighting for roster positions at this point. Um, I don't really see how the Niners can potentially get another quarterback in this situation or past the trade deadline, H- who's out there on like a uh, practice squad or something that they could pick up. I don't really know who would be at this point, so I think it's going to be Brock Purdy going forward and he could be getting a lot of run on the signers team that is fighting for playoffs positioning right now and they definitely need to stay competitive going forward so i think they'll put it in brock birdie's hands and i think he's worthy of a pickup because he can do it on the ground and do it on the um and do it through the air as well
1: moment of silence for jimmy g Yeah, someone that beautiful doesn't deserve to be hurt you know that's, that's tough
0: All right, it wasn't the face it, it was below so we're a-okay At running back, I like DJ Dallas. This is someone that you've talked about previously, and it didn't really fully pan out after um, we've seen all their injuries this season, whether you want to say it's Chris Carson, um, whether you want to say it's Penny, uh, also now recently Kenneth Walker. If that Kenneth Walker injury ends up being serious, for kw3 i think dj dallas will be the main beneficiary he led the team in rushes this week um, he has proven that he's capable of a workload so i think dj dallas is very worthwhile uh Darius slayton was the leading receiver for the new york giants and has been pretty underrated like i haven't heard anyone talking about him but this is like his third straight big week of the season and he's in previous seasons shown us that he can be capable of like a wide receiver one wide receiver two so um I like slayton a lot like his statistics this season have been pretty underrated and it's not just been big touchdowns like it's been in the past where it's just like a singular big play um he's been doing it consistently um just getting a lot of chunk plays and that's kind of what i like out of wide receiver that i'm picking him up off the waiver wire and that tied in i threw in noah Fant just because it's noah Fant and he's fun so
1: Yeah, no, I like your picks there. If Kenneth's hurt, DJ Dallas is kind of de facto, now a guy in a Pete Carroll offense where he loves to run the rock. Um, And then Slayton, again, injuries happen. He's proven he can have some big games before. Maybe he'll do it again. Yeah,
0: we're kind of getting that end of season where you're just like picking up anyone and everyone. Um, Everyone's trying to find the Amon Ross St. Brown, but it's a little bit tougher than that. And you may have kind of missed a boat with Christian Watson already. All right, let's go into three and D. Switching over to the NBA, been a lot going on in the league, um, especially with like the Lakers kind of having their revital revitalization right now. Anthony Davis has been going off, but um, hit me up with your favorite storyline that you seen in the last. Wait,
1: you're, you're talking about the Lakers. I need them to start losing again so we can have the the dream of Win Benyama coming to the Pelicans. Uh, but man, the Pelicans are looking really good. They're they're starting to kind of take control. It feels like in the Western Conference, which is what we thought might happen at the beginning of the year. Uh, they're they're kind of coming into their own, and it's great to see. Um, so Lakers, please lose, because if you had win when uh, when when Benyama, this team like look out world.
0: Yeah, honestly, they've been doing it even with injuries, which I think is the most impressive thing. They improved to fifteen and eight last night CJ McCollum has been hurt as has Brandon Ingram and arguably that's two of their three best players um they've been doing it with Valanchunas they've been doing it with Zion even with his bad uh, bad defense so this team has been incredibly impressive to me and they're they're beating quality teams like they just beat the Nuggets they just beat the Raptors like these are teams that are in contention and they're first in the southwest if anyone cares about division rankings at this point so um yeah I'm gonna have to get a Pelican shirt I just got a sacramento king's hoodie today but it might be time that i get something uh, merch side on the for the new orleans falcons my favorite things that i've seen this past week first off killian hayes is not a bust you heard it here first he has been really improving after looking borderline unplayable in his rookie season he was someone that i was really high on coming out of the draft um, a couple of years ago he's french he looked really good as a point guard overseas but he really struggled to transition initially to the nba game but he's really been popping off over the last few weeks specifically in their win against the dallas mavericks in that game he finished with 22 points eight assists four rebounds and only two turnovers his shootings really improved and so has his poise and he actually had the game winner in that game including a pair of clutch threes in order to make that happen so killian hayes has really been surprising me um, i kind of felt like he had this in him all along but i was definitely out for a little bit i thought that he was really starting to struggle um, but it's really good to see a top 10 pick for the detroit pistons really start to pan out and on the other end here AJ Griffin has been someone that I've been really, really um, enjoyed watching so far this season um, for people that aren't familiar with AJ Griffin um, first round pick for the Atlanta Falcons or for, Atlanta Falcons. i got NFL on the brain. Atlanta Hawks um, was a very high uh, recruit coming out of high school, went to Duke, was kind of phased a little bit out of their offense just because they have so many other guys that were on that team um, that was kind of eating into his production. But, if you looked at him you could kind of see the peripherals of what could be a monster nba player uh, really great shooter really strong defender ideal size kind of does everything that you want in today's modern nba where you need to be able to shoot the three defend and also drive and he hit his career high he tied his career high with 24 points and their win against the denver nuggets a couple of nights ago and that was a game where trey wasn't playing and so they really needed that offensive engine and he definitely picked up the slack uh aj griffin also so just kind of giving some people some context as well um he's younger than most people in his draft and he's also younger than a lot of people that are coming in this upcoming draft so we have like the thompson twins for example amen anasar he's younger than them he's younger than most guys that are still in college he was born in 2003 if you're trying to feel real old right now so aj griffin is doing this at an age where most guys are still in college and it's been really impressive to watch him just cook like he is become a mainstay and that uh lana hawks offense and they really really need guys to start uh, stepping up a little bit because the hawks specifically have been very very penny pinching lately they have not been willing to pay up for a lot of their guys and they've needed guys to replace like the kevin huerters and um the like the Wright left in recent seasons as well so aj griffin's kind of been that guy so really been excited to watch his development over the last few games
1: Yeah, no, that's. I think those are great takes. That was a good three and D right there, man. You, I felt the passion. Thank you, thank you.
0: Love the NBA. Excited for the rest of the season. It's been very, very close in the East and in the West, and I'm really excited to see who ends up making out of both of those conferences. Speaking
1: of NBA, do you know does is the NBA like season pass or whatever? Is that a good product? Like, I I don't know the best way to watch NBA games because you know for for those cable cutters of us out here
0: uh i mean you can all, can always just pirate it uh not that i uh do that we personally. would never
1: condone that
0: exactly I, we we aren't we aren't doing that um I think the season pass is a good deal like NBA league pass Uh, they lowered the price this year made it more competitive with other things that are on the streaming side Uh, it's maybe not the best product from what I've heard I've never purchased it personally I have um, YouTube TV so that's kind of easy to use but I've heard that it's a little bit laggy it drops sometimes and if you're trying to do like more advanced stuff where you're like you're trying to analyze like individual plays and such like after the fact it can be a little bit buggy but I think for like individual games it's not bad but it also does the stuff that like the mlb package does where it like blacks you out of games for like no reason so um it's still a little bit buggy it's in the beta phase but gotcha well thank you for that that take yeah of course all right speaking of takes we're going to go into our hot take section of the week this week what we're doing is our five favorite just like vanilla phrases that coaches give during halftime interviews. How about you, Jimmy D? I don't really enjoy those interviews ever. It's just like filler time, and I feel like the coaches are just more annoyed that they have to give that halftime speech. There's not a lot of substance that comes out of it. Do you enjoy the halftime speech that NFL coaches give?
1: Absolutely not. And if if you talk to coaches, they hate doing it. If you listen to sideline reporters, sideline reporters hate doing it because you're not getting any actual information out of, of an interview there. Um, it's just bad news all around. It makes no sense. I don't, I don't know who feels like they're getting any good use out of that type of, uh, you know, an interview.
0: No. And like, I understand the post game interview and like the press conference and stuff like you want to allow fans to have some level of access. And there's sometimes you want to get like an idea, some reasoning behind some coaching decisions, especially if you're like Nathaniel Hackett. But during halftime, like they're just like wanting to go in and make some adjustments and talk to their guys and like see what they can do. And like, you're catching some people at like their worst moment ever. And like, I wouldn't want someone interviewing me on my worst day of work. Like, I just feel like get out of my face. So very interesting. So hit us with your top five just like common phrases that you hear during halftime speeches.
1: Absolutely. I'll set the stage. You know, it's like six to 14 at halftime. You got a pretty angry Bill Belichick coming up there. And it's like, OK, you know, coach, what's going wrong? And you've got the classic. Hey, we've got to finish drives. We're getting the red zone. We're not getting the job done. Right. That's classic. Everyone knows you have to score if you make it to the red zone. It's telling them absolutely nothing. But at the same time, it's kind of answering the question because it's like, well, look, it'd be tied game if we just finish the drive.
0: Exactly. Exactly. My first overall here. I have win in the trenches. I love how this is the default fa- phrase whenever your quarterback's not playing well, and they don't want to blame the quarterback because like, that's the leader. So they're like, let's blame it on the positions where no one really knows how to analyze it, and let's just blame it on the offensive line and the defensive line because that is just like a constant struggle for a majority of NFL teams. So just win it in the trenches and everything will get better.
1: Yep. Uh, but I think one of my favorites, all of these, I know we're power ranking, them if you will, but I feel like all of them have a special place in my heart. But, you know, you're, you're getting your ass kicked. It's 35-3 to three at halftime. Everyone knows this game's over. Coach, what do you got to do to change things at half? They can't say, we're fucking done. We're packing it up, right? You gotta say, look, we're going to come out. It's a tie ball game. We're going to win the second half, right? So it's a tie ball game at zero zero, whatever you want to say. Like and that one just always makes me get a chuckle because it's like everyone in that locker room knows we're getting our asses handed to us. This game is over. And then the coach has to like, act like everything's hunky-dory when the reporter comes over there.
0: Yeah, I had that in my third position, something really similar. I was thinking more on like if your team's winning by a lot, maybe it's like 28 to seven. And you're just like, if you're a coach, you're saying, oh, we got to act like it's zero zero, right? Like we need to come out strong and like finish this and not let them get back in the game. And I, that, that goes for all sports, right? Like I remember my coach in soccer in high school would say that all the time. And it's like, God, can we like not celebrate for a second that we're up like four one for once? So uh, coaches love saying, ah, oh, we're going to act like it's zero zero and finish this game off. So that's,
1: that's always a good one do you want, to, you want to do your second one or you want me to go for three yeah, and... keep going okay um classic just we gotta get the run game going right you, you don't really want to tell them anything everyone knows that you either want to pass well or run the ball well so they just kind of pick one or the other and just go eh we gotta get it going right that, that's the reason we're not scoring it's not that their defense is better than us it's not that we threw three interceptions you just gotta get the run game going that'll fix everything
0: Yeah, that's another good one when you're ahead. Like, oh, we got to start eating up clock and everything. One of my faves that i have at number two is gotta want it more right like if your team's struggling a little bit and then they just start saying "Oh, our team just needs to want it more than the other guys it's like okay i I think everybody wants the same outcome right which is to win and look good while doing it and i think coaches just say that because it's a default phrase but if you like actually start thinking behind what it is where you're saying oh we just need to want it more like everybody wants that outcome already and you're just not saying much of anything (laughs)
1: And yeah, and the words of one of my high school teammates. They want it bad. We gotta want it better.
0: <laughs> Great phrase. Great phrase. <laughs>
1: exactly. Um, then another one is okay. So it's like tied at, at halftime. You know, it's it's a team that should be winning, but they're not. You get up to the coach's face. He's clearly upset, but he's just like, you know, we we've been here before. We knew it's going to be a battle. Like we, we're going to have to come out there. Like we're we're prepared for this. We know how to handle adversity, right? So just that classic. We've been here before. Uh, like, duh, everyone here has played plenty of college football games, plenty of professional games. Like, everyone has been here before we get it. Yeah. And I think and this again, k- It says absolutely nothing about what's happening. Yeah.
0: I-, I think this kind of fits a lot of what these could be, which is just, like, these are no-duh moments. In my fourth position, I had clean up the mistakes I think everybody knows that you need to clean up your mistakes, whether you're in sports or not. And just reiterating that you need to clean up the mistakes. Like, yeah, sometimes it's good to have a little bit of a reminder, but that's a no-duh moment in my mind.
1: Yeah, it might actually build right off of that. Um, it's basically like something like, oh, we're doing it to ourselves. Like, right? I know we're losing by two scores, but if we just didn't have that one false start, we'd be in the lead right now. So. Like you said, clean up the mistakes, stop shooting ourselves in the foot. We're doing it to ourselves. We're gonna come out at half after it's zero zero again, and we're gonna win this game. We've been here before.
0: Yeah, that's that came straight out Mike Leach's mouth with that one. Um finishing it off here with my number five. I have finished the big third downs. Like they always talk about, oh, we had these key third downs that we just need to finish. Like, aren't all third downs just by definition big? Because like I mean, it's kind of your yeah, it's kind of your last chance in order to like convert unless you're a coach that decides to go for it on fourth down. So just like saying like "Oh, we need to finish these key third downs, these big third downs, it's saying not much of anything because they're all big third downs.
1: Yeah, all the, right. the, I think we, we might have hit every single interview of this entire season right here
0: yeah i feel like if you fed this into like an ai and then just put it in front of a reporter you would get the exact same speech that we get every single week from nick saban and such okay.
1: i think maybe the one we didn't get is we've got, we got i think we had in here i said we gotta get the run game going i think you could also insert like insert star player's name we just gotta give him the ball we gotta get him going that, that's gonna fix everything all right thank you gonna go run and yell at some guys now
0: yeah top tier analysis you know like the star player needs the ball we we all knew that at that point so i i love the, love it and hate it at the same time it sure beats the doctor pepper throw off which was so cringy this past weekend as well um but yeah they need to find better ways to like communicate things during halftime and just kill the time like soccer i like it a little more just cuz they throw it to the studio and there's not a lot of hoopla but god during american football it's so fucking boring yeah, i don't can, want can to take a this. second
1: can we take a second here i know you and i texted about this but like Is there a worse display of just capitalism than Dr. Pepper acting like they're superheroes for spending, in their own words, $13 million on college tuition over like a 15 year period versus, you know, like the $10 million they're paying, if not more, to sponsor every bowl game? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's like insane that they're like, look, we're heroes because we helped one poor person go through college as we're advertising it like every single commercial break during this game.
0: Yeah, it feels very much so like the Hunger Games where it's like, hey, random kid X and random kid Y, go up there and embarrass yourself and throw a football in the complete wrong way in order to have the most efficient chance of winning this XYZ number of uh, dollars that can go towards your education that you need to in order to get a job. Like the whole system's just fucked up. And then whenever you consider that Dr Pepper is worth fifty five billion dollars, and they could just like I don't know, not charge people as much as bu- as much money and not have that level of corporate greed, it, the whole thing is just like it makes you feel scummy at the end of the day
1: yeah it's honestly it feels like squid games with extra steps uh, I, i'm trying to think of like any other giveaways that are, are similar to it because there's definitely plenty like that right it's like oh you won the chance to compete in front of people it's like can i just i don't know like can you treat me like a human being and, and let me just get a check for college like can I, can I just have a scholarship at this point
0: yeah i think the only thing that makes it a little better is like we all like dr pepper right like just a general like that's a the thing that people like I think I hate it even more on in like the insurance side. So we have like Allstate that gives a lot of money towards scholarships and they get their get their hands up on the, the the net behind the field goal. It's like, who the hell likes insurance companies? They just steal money from you and don't give it back to you whenever you need it for an emergency. So I think that might be the only redeeming thing about the Dr. Pepper thing, but I've been tweeting about it all weekend. I was, I was getting heated because they kept doing it during every single college football game. It wasn't just like during one where they have like some grand spectacle. It was during every single one and then they have that one that went into double overtime they had the off-camera rules i was so confused during the entire situation <laughs>
1: thanks dr pepper we appreciate you yeah
0: yeah hope they hope they get rid of that all righty so i guess that does it for us we had a tidy 114 minute mark which is what we always like to see
1: so oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're tightening the ship up a little bit
0: yeah we got the formula down so um you think we'll do a wednesday episode this week you think we'll get a preview in
1: i, I think we we've got a chance we got a good chance i, I feel like I mean, as long as you're not busy yeah Uh, i I mean i might be busy. i don't know we've both been busy it's classic year end right now yeah
0: it was my birthday on wednesday of last week and like i kept getting calls from random people not trying to flex that i'm popular or anything it's more so just my mom but um i just was like "Ah, after all this talking i just don't feel like doing another podcast so um i'm down for one this week and honestly i'd like to do another one where we do a world cup whether it's like in the like final eight or the final four or something so that's down the pipe for y'all
1: there you go. That's the the backdrop to what it's like when we turn off the microphone. Uh, when when you guys uh, when we hang up on you. So, all right. You guys have a good week, everybody. See Yeah.